Hey y'all, before we begin, I want to make sure you know about my live parent workshops. One Friday a month, I host a live virtual parent workshop on topics related to raising neurodivergent kids and teens. We cover topics like how to talk to your child about their diagnosis, how to support negative self-talk, and navigating school for your child. You can register for workshops one at a time, or you can become an all-access subscriber on Substack for instant access to all the workshops and replays. To browse the workshop library and subscribe, go to learnwithdremily.substack.com and click Parent Workshops. Hey y'all, before we begin, if you're a school administrator who loves watching your teachers and students thrive, but you feel your staff needs more training to meet the needs of such a diverse group of learners, I am here for you. I am now offering professional development for pre-K through 8th grade educators, both in-person and virtually. For more information about pricing and scheduling, go to learnwithdremily.com schools to get started. Welcome to Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast where parents and teachers come together for neurodivergent youth. I'm your host, Dr. Emily King, child psychologist and former school psychologist, and I am on a mission to help everyone understand that nurturing neurodivergent children isn't about changing them, but about changing us. Each week, I share my thoughts on topics related to child development, mental health, parenting, education, and parent-teacher collaboration. You can read more on my Substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com or listen here. So let's get started with today's topic. Hey y'all, today we are going to dive into the topic of, is there actually such a thing as too much therapy for our kids? So I've written about this before and I keep updating my thoughts on this because as we evolve in research, as we evolve in our understandings of listening to teenage and adult autistic voices and um, students and adults with ADHD, all the neurodivergent voices are helping us learn more. I fully believe we need to lean into both the research and how neurodivergent individuals describe their experiences to inform our decisions. So when a child is first identified as autistic or receives a diagnosis of ADHD, a learning disability, or a sensory processing difference, parents can feel both overwhelmed by the information and relieved to have a plan. Yet sometimes the plan is even overwhelming. As a former school psychologist, I can tell you really confidently that I was trained to be very thorough. I was trained to identify concerns and recommend solutions. The more solutions, the better, right? Not always. So while options can be good, not every child needs the same thing. So we need to be careful about how prescriptive we are about this diagnosis needs this therapy. That's not necessarily the case all the time. We need to know our kid and we need to trust our providers to help us view recommendations within the lens of our child's stress level and our family's stress level. So not every kid needs the same thing. Not every therapy needs to happen at the same time. And not every single thing has to be done to promote progress. So you don't have to do everything right now. In fact, overwhelming a child can shut down their progress. And I think that this urgency, this sense of urgency evolved out of the research, which is very valid and true, 
that the younger we work with kids, the more progress they make in terms of speech and language development, sensory motor integration. You know, kids below age five have really malleable brains. We know this from brain research. However, we have to be careful not to throw the kitchen sink at them in terms of therapy because if they're overwhelmed, it can slow down their learning. So yes, while we want to identify kids as early as possible to increase supports, we don't want to go overboard, so overboard that we stress them out. So hang with me here as I talk about the pluses and the minuses to all of this. And I hope that by the end of sharing my thoughts, you're just thinking about your own child, what's been recommended for them, trusting your gut, trusting your providers to help you make the best decision for your child. And that decision will always be changing because your child will make progress and then you'll make a different decision six months from now or 12 months from now. So back to that psychoeducational report, the lengthy quote unquote recommendation section, it's called that because these are all the things that we recommend, that recommendation section at the end of the psychoeducational evaluation that's done either by a private psychologist or the school psychologist, I'm talking about that report, and it's going to include information really just from the psychologist. So your child may also receive an evaluation from an occupational therapist, a speech-language therapist, or a physical therapist. And as specialists, we're trained in one area, and we make our recommendations based on our training in that area. But when multiple specialists are involved, which is common with a neurodivergent child, parents might be receiving recommendations for play therapy, speech and language therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, medication management, vision therapy, social skills group, academic tutoring, or a combination of all of these. Are you tired yet and listening to all of that? And if you're a parent who's received all of these recommendations, you're nodding your head. So many parents will feel guilty if they don't do all the things that the experts are recommending. However, I want you to think back to high school. Remember how you felt when all of your high school teachers assigned multiple tests and projects at the same time and didn't realize what your homework schedule looked like because none of them were communicating with each other? So we hope that your providers are communicating with each other. I encourage you to sign consent for all of them to communicate. But as you felt in high school, each of those assignments had a purpose, but altogether they stressed you out so much that it was hard to know where to start. Too many therapies can feel like that. The recommendations can feel like that to parents. And if your child is engaging and enrolled in all of these therapies, they may feel like that too. So just like kids can be overscheduled with sports or art or music, anything after school that's happening, children in need of developmental therapies can be overscheduled too. Okay, so how do we prioritize one therapy over another? I often help families that I work with make this decision. And if you have a pediatrician or a trusted therapist on their team to talk to about this, I encourage you to talk to them. So as one of these experts, quote unquote experts, because I feel like parents and neurodivergent people are their own experts on themselves and on their families. But as one of these experts recommending support for your child, I want to reassure you that there's a zone of learning for all of us, and your child is no exception. Yes, too few therapies may lead to a child not progressing as fast as they could if they had that needed support, 
However, too many therapies can cause children to become anxious or fatigued, which can lead to shutdown, resisting appointments, or not being available for learning. There is a middle ground to find here that optimal learning can take place. It's a moving target and it will keep changing as your child grows and develops, but it is there. I want to say hi to all the teachers out there learning with me. Thank you so much for being an educator. I see you and appreciate you and how you keep showing up for our students every single day. In my work as a school psychologist, I know that it helps to have a way to stay organized when thinking about your students' needs. That's why I created two free resources for you. The Regulation Roster helps you notice how your students seek emotional regulation and keep track of it. And the Reframing Behavior Worksheet helps you problem solve emotional dysregulation when it happens. For these free downloads, go to learnwithdremily.com slash roster or learnwithdremily.com slash reframing behavior to get started. I want to welcome any parents who are new to this journey. If your child has just been identified as autistic or diagnosed with ADHD, learning differences, or is twice exceptional, welcome. You are in the right place. You may also be overwhelmed by all the calls and emails you're having to make to providers as you're building your child's team. That's why I created the Referral Tracker, which is a free download at learnwithdremily.com tracker. This free resource explains what each provider does and gives you a template to keep track of all your research. Just go to learnwithdremily.com slash tracker to get started. So if you're concerned that you might be asking too much of your child, I want you to consider these questions. So number one, is my child's progress in therapy stalling? So of course we want our children to make progress But the more therapy they have doesn't always equal faster progress. Too many therapies is similar, like I said, to overscheduling extracurriculars, and that can squash kids' growth. We all reach a point where we are too overwhelmed to learn. For neurodivergent children who tend to be more sensitive to anxiety and fatigue more easily, their developmental progress may stall because their brain is working so hard to manage their anxiety and their sensory needs, hunger needs, fatigue needs, that they just have on a daily basis. So if you're noticing daily fatigue or anxiety in your child, it's time to lower demands, prioritize rest and connection, and then work on the therapy, and that will come soon. So it just kind of naturally happens that once a child is in a zone of really feeling comfortable and connected and rested, that's when the learning is going to happen. And therapy is learning. Number two, is your child resisting going to therapy? So if your child won't join the therapist from the waiting room into an OT gym or a playroom at a play therapist office, or they won't even get out of the car after they have been enjoying therapy before, they may be experiencing higher anxiety for some reason. They may be very tired at that time of day, so appointment times can make a difference. Days of the week can make a difference. I've seen kids really struggle on Thursday afternoon because it's getting to the end of the week. I know I struggle on Thursday afternoon, so I think a lot of kids do. So also the skills that they're working on could be too hard for them. Kids could experience some regression, and you just want to talk to your child's therapist about this. They will guide you in figuring out what's going on and adapting 
to help your child feel less anxious and more available for learning during therapy. We also need to be careful about forcing children to go to therapy. I feel really strongly about this one. While young children may not remember their experience playing in an OT gym enough to explain it later on, if their body is stressed during therapy, their nervous system is likely going to remember some association from that experience. School-age children and teens will definitely remember their experiences, and we don't want them to have negative memories of being forced to go to therapy only to grow up resisting the idea of asking for help when they need it. We can all benefit from therapy at some point in our life, but it has to be on our own terms and when we feel open to it. Kids are the same way, so we need to respect their boundaries on that. It's all about a balance. So this leads into the most important part of the therapy balance that I think is our responsibility as the adults to make sure Therapy is the right fit for our child's emotional well-being at that particular time in their development. Many autistic teens and adults have spoken out about the negative effects of feeling coerced into behavior change through discrete trial training and applied behavior analysis, or ABA. While we continue to listen to autistic voices and guide therapeutic practices to become more trauma-informed and more neuroaffirming, the most important part of deciding the fit of therapy for your child is their felt sense of safety. Sure, our children may work hard on a skill with a therapist and feel uncomfortable at times, but they should always feel safe and trusting of that therapist, and so should we. If you don't understand a therapist's reasons for a certain approach, be sure to ask for more information. Okay, number three. Are you or your family members overly stressed due to the therapy schedule? This is a tough one to figure out because the entire experience of having a child in multiple therapies can be stressful and everyone's stress tolerance is variable. Yet there could come a time when the logistics of therapy appointments are stressing parents to the point that it's impacting your relationship with your child. So always prioritize relationships because without them, no learning is possible because our sense of safety is disrupted. We have to find a balance between making progress in therapy and maintaining a trusting parent-child connection because that is part of your child's progress too. Okay, number four, do you notice a decrease in anxiety over summer or holiday breaks? So every summer when school is out, many parents I work with begin to see their child's anxiety lift. School is very stressful for neurodivergent children. The sensory overload, the task demands, and the social expectations of school keep children's stress level higher than baseline most days during the school year. And summer can be a reprieve from that. So like someone has kind of loosened the pressure valve and kids can have fun again in the summer without long days of expectations to keep up and definitely without homework, we may take notice that our kid is just more chill. And if they're more chill in the summer, they may be able to handle therapies more readily in the summer. So if you see your child make developmental gains over the summer due to fewer activities, take notice. Prioritize which therapies your child is making the most progress on and stick with those come fall. Some families even add a therapy only in the summer because their child can handle more without the demands of school. 
every child is going to be different and you know your kid best. Number five, it is really okay to take a break. Talk to your child's therapist about the goals they're working on and your child's progress. So sometimes school, play, and family time is enough. That's a lot of work for kids. So talk with your child's pediatrician or another trusted therapist on their team to decide if you need to pick just one therapy to focus on at a time, and they can help you decide which one to start with. On occasion, a child takes a break from seeing me in therapy where we're working on anxiety and emotional regulation to focus on body regulation and motor skills and occupational therapy. Once these skills improve, we continue therapy to greater success. There are times a child is spending all of their energy in school and socialization, so we take a break from sessions and I work with parents. So we need to be creative about how we are treating the whole family and not just putting all the pressure for progress on a child. There are also times I see a child reach social goals and play therapy with me one-on-one, and it's time to move on to a group setting to practice their skills with other children. Parents and therapists can monitor a child's progress and make changes at any time. Therapy is hard work for children and for you, so paying attention to your child's stress level and your stress level within different seasons of life is really crucial. Ultimately, your child's stamina, happiness, and forward-moving progress are your guides for making these decisions. This has been Learn with Dr. Emily at the podcast. For more resources, including both parent, teacher, and school resources, visit learnwithdremily.com or read my substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com. Also, we are publishing this podcast weekly, so make sure you're subscribed by pressing the plus, follow, or subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're using right now. This podcast is edited by EarFluence. All information discussed on this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you have immediate concerns about your child, please reach out to a mental health or medical professional. I'm Dr. Emily King, and we will keep learning together next week.